Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 229 for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixariffs, and joining me as always is a space age, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, hello, and if you would like to hear more about some space Lego, some video game board games, uh, as well as uh, other games that we've been playing and are interested in playing, then you can check out The Render Distance. It's the extended version of the podcast. You can get it at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Folks that support the podcast get access to all kinds of stuff like The Render Distance. Uh, and because of your support, we also have special episodes like this week. We're doing the Chunk Mail Dispenser. It's going to be more email in the show than normal. And we're actually going to be replying to some um, emails about building and construction, which we asked for last week, which is going to be really, really fun. You can get access to things like the monthly Minecraft Hangout, which we recorded this past Saturday. That should be published later today on the Patreon feed. And there are some schedule changes that we should point you out towards, and that is that Johnny is going to be traveling for the next few weeks. So there may be some changes in the recording and publishing times as I work with some guests on the show over the next few weeks. And the Patreon page uh, and the um, Discord channels are where we'll be letting you know when those changes are going to occur. Yes, looking forward to hearing some different voices on here and uh, tuning in as a listener instead of as a presenter for a little bit. Should be uh, should be kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, in the meantime, I have been making sure most of my week is spent well, uh, making sure that my copper aging facility that I've been working on the tutorial for does what I say it does. <laughs> and like testing <laughs> a redstone contraption on this scale and kind of making sure I can guarantee that stuff works the way it does and that people aren't going to immediately find flaws in it is a tricky process especially when there are so many moving parts which this one is mostly flying machines and uh yeah there are some some bits and pieces that i've added in more recently that make sure things work a little smoother uh I, i've i've even come up with a solution now for what if two of the flying machines collide with each other which is to prevent the flying machines that could collide with the big one from launching whilst the big one is in action and i'm i'm really happy with some of the solutions i've made because they are pretty straightforward and fairly cost effective but i feel like they're optional add-ons to the machine at this point so i explained some of them in the tutorial video i've been recording but they're not necessarily part of the core schematic for the thing because the likelihood of them ever being necessary is fairly slim. And then, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to work quite well. So the final version is now three floors tall, uh, loads and unloads semi-automatically and can age a single chest or a shulker box of copper blocks at once. Um, so wow. 1,728 blocks. It's about as big as I want to build it in survival, um, especially looking at the material list and seeing that it's close to 2,000 observers or something. It's wow. it's a lot. Um, but surprisingly fairly lag-friendly because a lot of the redstone components aren't active while it's doing what it's doing. And the few that like stay fairly active are like observers counting the copper blocks aging, which are only going to fire very briefly and every, you know few thousand ticks as random tick stuff happens to the copper so unless the flying machines are all working at once it's actually a fairly like lag friendly contraption not sure how it'd stand up on a, a full like busy server but as far as single player worlds go it's running pretty smoothly for me um there are a few issues with it that i still haven't had the time to resolve like um it unloads the copper in 72 block rectangles like a nine by eight of oxidized copper comes back and then it has the capacity to go back and bring back another one 
in fairly quick succession. So unless you have a way of removing the copper from the return platform, which right now happens manually, there isn't really a way to stop that flying machine from coming back in, hitting the piston push limit, and then freezing in place a little bit further away from where it's supposed to dock. Um, so right now I'm unloading all of that stuff manually. I'm assuming the player is just going to be there monitoring it with a pickaxe, but naturally people want to AFK these contraptions. So I think I might revise the design and come up with a system which allows you to unload it manually, or at least gets that, that copper out of the way. Um, so that the next row of copper can come in without incident. Um, but I, I just haven't been able to figure that out yet. Like, piston feed tapes and TNT and all of that stuff suggests itself, but the exact configuration of those things with how I have this machine set up is the problem I need to solve. I'm aware of the solutions, I just need to make sure that the solutions will fit the machine as I've designed it, or that a redesign isn't going to mean ripping apart the entire thing and starting again. Uh, so oh, that's yeah. my life this week, and it's probably <laughs> going to be what I'm doing up until Wednesday before I go away to the States for a couple of weeks. You you must be really good at building flying machines by now and in different <laughs> configurations because that that's a redstone component that is that completely escapes me. Like I the moment that I need one or or I have to build one, I am going block by block in a tutorial and not always understanding like how it works. And maybe like a brief moment when it actually first takes off, it's like oh okay, I see what that's doing. But then like for me to understand that and recreate it, like it's over my head because I've just not spent enough time with them. Yeah, it, it's. It's interesting, like there's some that in Java Edition rely on quasi-connectivity, right? Because you can point an observer above a piston where the air block is above a piston and it'll still fire. Um, but then the ones I'm using, because you're activating the flying machine from the block above so that it can sort of come into dock at this return station, uh, the observers are pointing down into the slime blocks and the slime blocks are what conducts the redstone. And so, yeah, f figuring out which way around to build those and then what the limitations of that are is uh, an interesting task in itself. But I'm really happy with using flying machines as a solution for spreading copper out over a wide area because it means you don't have to install long piston feed tapes to get everything into place and you don't end up with a ton of copper just sort of sat there waiting to be delivered to the right place like the whole purpose of this contraption is that it delivers and returns all of the copper and doesn't just leave it lying around somewhere where it's either not aging efficiently enough or it's just aging prematurely before it even gets to the machine that's going to count it aging in the first place I'm trying to remember the type of flying machine that i have in the mob farm in the nether it's the wither skeleton farm well, i mean it does a number of things but I'm pretty sure that it's a piston that that f extends in front of the observer face, and that's what kicks off the yeah. flying machine. Mm -hmm. It would give two states, but then there's a delay. There's some sort of redstone delay that so the observer is only read once. But then the really ingenious part of it, and this is like a Nembon design, is that when it gets to the wall, there's like a single piece of redstone and like a repeater or something like that, and it just kind of like sees that the the thing has been there and just shocks the observer just once so that it just returns and yeah, just kind of yeah. gives it a bounce uh, and then when it gets back to the the middle that's when it either needs a continuous source of power which you're providing by turning the machine on or if the machine is off then it won't loop it won't bounce from the middle it will bounce at the edge but not at the middle so the middle is like your launch point but we've had issues where like i think i left it going and i flew out of the chunk or something like that so like i've i've had i've had to rebuild them a couple of times and Whenever that happens, again, like it's not something I can do from memory. So it's yeah, not something yeah. I can just stop and do on stream. It's just like, oh, no, I have to like, I'd have to go look up the video, find the like, or even like, 
I find it helpful to like load up, um, I'll load up the uh, the schematic on like my Mac or something like that, and have yeah. it, like have a second have a have the world download open on a second screen, uh, and do it that way. But man, like it's it's frustrating. So I'm I'm curious with this with the the copper machine. Like you say, you're building it now bigger than any of the things that you've built, like any of the versions that you've built in survival. Yes. Uh, so I think the the one I built on Hermitcraft was probably about twice the size of the one I have on Empires, and even that was maybe two-thirds the size of the one I have here, and this one is over multiple floors instead of just one. So I think the one on Hermitcraft ages about 500 copper blocks, and this one is going to age like three times that. It's going to age yeah. a full chest, so there's um, nine stacks on every floor. You can call it David the Goliath. If it's yeah, I, I I have a version of it that is called Goliath, but it's the one where I had all of the <laughs> manually loaded ones, and I just wanted to spread them out like over the full radius of random tick. Um, so like from a 128 block radius out in like full 16 by 16 chunks, and it looks like a skyscraper because I built it all upwards as well because random tick range exists over the entirety of a chunk when a player is standing there, and that's I think about 1100 individual modules of this thing so by the time you got halfway through loading it the stuff at the bottom would already have aged and it's wow. actually like a race against time to finish loading all of the copper before the other stuff returns it at which point there's no point in building it any higher than that because the time it takes you to load the machine is greater than the time it takes the copper to age and return. <laughs> so wow. yeah, it, it's it's a mathematical problem, but that's why I'm sticking to just having three floors of it and just doing a single chest at a time. And this is obviously designed to work in tandem with, say, like ENXO4 or Nembon's uh, drowned reinforcement-based copper farms, right? So you, you're going to have a ludicrously high output of copper. You're dealing with having shulker boxes of copper just lying around. For the majority of people, you won't need that. But the cool thing about this is it's modular enough that you could just build effectively one quarter of one floor of this and you'd be aging maybe 500 blocks of copper and that'd be enough for the 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 average player <laughs> it, and that's assuming that you found like a huge vein of copper somewhere that you're mining out yeah that's it's so cool that it's modular that so someone that doesn't have that much copper could just you know, like use the the more appropriate scale. I've always liked that about redstone tutorial videos when they're like, here's the ginormous, like crazy version. And then here's the mechanics. And then here's like a smaller version or here's a more, uh, what's it, like survival friendly. Like say someone, yeah. like they've used something that's like, you could use anvils or you could use this or you could use that. What you need is a sub block that is this high or this wide. I've used these because they look cool and I'm in creative. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But if you're yeah. in survival, a trap door here will work just fine. <laughs> you know, like that yeah. kind of stuff. It's always interesting to see like how there are options, you know, available for, for builds like this. I'm looking forward to seeing it, man, because the, the screenshot that you're sharing, it, it just, it reminds me of like those city builder games where you've just got all kinds of um, very organized, repeated patterns, you know? Yeah, it feels like playing Factorio or Satisfactory when I'm building stuff like this, especially having Lightmatica to like move it around and replace it and copy it and that kind of stuff. It's It's been so helpful using that whilst I've been figuring this out. But uh, yeah, hopefully the tutorial should be out sometime, if not the end of January, then early February. I'm not sure when I'm going to schedule it to uh, go out, but it's going to be uh, complete with schematic downloads in the description and a world download and that kind of stuff. So people can poke around and probably tell me how bad my redstone is.
<laughs> anticipate the uh the the nerds to push up their glasses and let you know right yeah yeah well uh, cubic meters farm has been out there for a lot longer and apparently does this a lot better so i'm just i'm just happy to have this out here and it'd be something that i built from with my own two hands as it were how about you uh how's the citadel been this week so i finished the west bell tower that i started last week uh i uh, had a lot of trips up and down the top of it to try and hone in what was originally just like a blank red terracotta uh, top to it. I decided to keep it. I challenged myself to keep the red terracotta top. And I was bouncing around with different ideas for actually getting a bell. We flew over to a nearby village and, and pilfered their bell. And I thought one bell's kind of small. If I put four bells in it, then you could at least see them in the windows. And ultimately what I ended up designing at the top was a gold block bell. So it's mm-hmm. it's a gold block with a an upside down grindstone in it for the uh oh i knew this term it's not a hammer the clapper uh, is that clapper. what it's called thank you yeah. yes mm-hmm. yeah we it, we had someone had to look it up when we were on stream we're like oh it's a bell clapper okay um so uh the other thing that i was really happy with was the the roof design i decided to leave the roof open so it's got four struts and kind of like the the north south east west face of it but rather than filling it in like a tower i felt it look a, looked a little bit too similar to the tower on the um the mansion that's very close to it. So I thought, well, if I leave it open, then that makes more sense. Like it's just basically a structure to hang the bell from. It's not really meant to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it just and it provided a different idea for the, the, the roof. Um, and I, I like it so much that I was actually flying around West Hill thinking about where I could put other bell towers as if they're like meant to be, you know, North, South, East and West, like alarm bells. Perhaps. Sure. Yeah. You know, so and I thought, well, I don't want to start adding these giant towers everywhere. So I'm thinking about like the east gate has a small tower as part of the gate. And I could easily just extend the top of it a little bit and put a bell there. And then I could try to find another place, maybe even in the keep for the south. Uh, there's a couple of different places I could probably end up putting a, a bell tower. And I like the idea of not copying it, but having a decent design to build from. But then the part of the history of this town is that the east and south parts of the town are the older parts. And then the the west is the newer, fancier part. So I'd have the added challenge of designing bell towers as if they were like, this is the first one that I've built, but I have to build the other ones like they were built first. So Mm -hmm. dumb them down a little bit, make them look a little bit older, choose different materials, that kind of thing. So that that could be kind of fun and, and could tie things together and bring some color into some of the other parts of the um, the town that are lacking a little bit. I really like the way that the West has come together with some different colored roofs and things. And I'm trying not to go back and rebuild anything, but there's definitely spots where I feel like, you know, if I just changed the roof color, you know, kept the design the same, just change things out because there's also materials like mangrove wood and, you know, um, packed mud that we didn't have two years ago when I was starting the, the, east part of the town so we'll see what i can i can come up with but the general rule is that i'm trying not to go back and uh and change anything the um the thing that surprised me the most was i thought that the bell tower was going to take a lot longer to make it feel like it was part of the cliff that it was standing on and that didn't take very long at all and a lot of it was just because i i stuck with stone i didn't get too fancy i just made it jagged and used some custom blocks to kind of work it all together had a little bit of a vine that kind of hung down over the cliff and then went up the side of the tower. And it just, it all worked and came together very, very quickly. And I think maybe because I had just done a bunch of river landscaping like last week. So like I had that kind of 
skill set fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was nice to kind of wrap that up and and get it get it going. I I like that you can see the bell. You know, it kind of reads as a bell. It looks terrible up close because it's like I don't know. It's like a a two by two cross pattern uh, of of gold blocks. And of course, we don't have slabs or stairs and gold blocks, so it's a very low resolution bell. Um, but at least from a distance, you can see it. Uh, which is cool. I added some mangrove signs that look great when you're looking at a close-up shot, but from any decent distance on the ground, you can't see the signs. They don't render in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, that looks great. I think it's it's really cool as a as an idea. Like uh, we were talking about it not wanting to be a lighthouse before, and I think you've you've settled on the correct way of thanks like subverting that and um yeah I, I do really like the idea of spreading them out throughout the the town as well and having having other ones elsewhere have you put an actual bell in there like is it going to be a functional like sound experience as well because you could set up like daylight sensors and stuff for it to chime at certain times of day if you wanted to yeah there's no room at the top i'd have to bury it somewhere in the base of it somehow and then try to find a place to put the daylight sensor i mean it's still possible yeah, um, because there's there's the that shrubbery that's on the on the outside of it. I could hide a daylight sensor in there, or or find a place nearby. Um, I could even do it in maybe like the tree next door sort of deal. Um, it's either it was either that, or I was going to try and find a place to set up like a note block chime, you know, and just have that sound like a bell. Um, but I I I thought about doing the when I was thinking about the bells themselves going up top. One of the ideas I had was to close in the roof and then use daylight sensors which i think are roughly the same color as dark oak when you see them from the side yeah um yeah. so so using one of those to have the bells kind of do their thing but because i because i did decided not to use the actual bells i think i'm just going to leave it as is i w- i'm still debating trying to put um some note blocks or um custom music discs that i've seen other creators use and maybe have some ambient music or something playing, depending on where you are in the town. That could be really fun, I think. But um, we'll have to see. It's it's one of those things where, like, if I start going down that road, then I could be building this into 2025. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if, if you start thinking about soundscapes and all that kind of stuff, then yeah. It's, yeah, it's certainly going to take a, a yeah. little while. They've started doing stuff like that on Hermitcraft with custom mm. music discs that play, like, ambient sound i know tango does a lot of that with decked out but pearlescent moon did it the other day with uh adding like yeah some some nature ambience to to her base so there there are ways of doing that obviously you can you know find mods that will do something similar um but yeah i i think it's is the kind of thing that you can certainly sink a lot of time into a certain project if you you have something on this scale but it does help the area feel more alive too so that's the uh the trade-off i think with that kind of project Thanks. Yeah, it's it's. I got the idea from Pearlescent Moon, and I I've done some little things where, in like places where I've got little drainage ditches, I've dug into the wall and placed like a single block of water that's running down two blocks, and then closed mm-hmm. it up, and so it just makes it sound like either the river you're standing next to or this little drain of like waterlogged stairs is actually running water. Yeah, and yeah. It's just it's just enough that you can, especially with the spatial audio in Minecraft, like if you put it next to the thing that you're supposed to hear when you're standing and looking at the wall and then out of your left ear you can hear the little drain to your left it, it really works like it really does help it um so I, I i might try to just keep to in-game stuff if i can but we'll see um the other thing as i'm kind of like closing in on the the final buildings on in west hill uh there's a leather 
workshop that had been planned for the longest time that I wanted to get started on. And um, the building hasn't been touched because for the longest time, because of its central location in the middle of the West Hill Square, um, I was using it for like all of my shulkers. It was my shulker shed for like the last year. And so I finally went back to it and, and emptied it out, put all the shulkers in the, in the square uh, and started to kind of like redesign it because I realized that everything else around it looks really good, but then it was still pretty basic. Even though I liked the roof shape, I had two problems with it. One, it was an even build. It was six wide, not seven, mm-hmm. uh, which is always challenging. And uh, it was also, as I walk in the West Gate, it's like the, it's right in your face. It's a building that you look at the entire time you're walking down the road. So I thought, okay, I have to change this. So at least it's something more interesting to look at while people are coming down. So I added kind of like a, an L shape to it. It was just a single build on a slight angle, but now it's an actual uh, L or T shape. And I've got like a, a gable that's facing you on the street when you're walking in and I'm going to decorate it with a bunch of different things. And I've got um, room for a small garden or something out front. Uh, I was, I didn't want to put like leather drying. I didn't want it to be like a tannery. I figured that stuff would happen maybe outside the town because that it stinks. You know, like I don't, I don't think it would be something that would happen like right in this house. I think this is going to be more of like the, the finished garments, maybe the, the person that's sewing all the leather together is working inside, but mm-hmm. not like the person's like stripping the animals and stuff. Um, and uh, I'm really happy with it. I decided to put like a little um, courtyard or, or entryway that uh, I haven't done in a lot of places. And the way that this happens to be situated with the T shape in the crook of the T is going to be the entrance and i was able to put like a little walled porch sort of thing in Mm -hmm. in that area and it just makes the build feel bigger uh without adding a lot of like access to it and um so far so good like i've i i i lucked out in a dark oak roof which is pretty easy uh looks good in the area and so i'm kind of doing a mix of dark oak and spruce and it's just the beginning phases of it but man it's it's really challenging to redesign a building that not only already exists but you've been walking by for a year yeah. And then you and then you have to redesign it and you're like so so much of your brain is like you want to keep it somewhat the same cuz you like it but at the same time you're like but it needs to be improved and when you're trying to tweak something and adjust the roof and and nudge something one way or another cuz like I said it was 6 wide and I needed to make it either 7 or 5 depending on which end it was and so like that took forever. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh and uh so I only got like a but a half stream into it cuz I was doing a lot of puttering around earlier. And, um, I'm happy with it, but it's going to take some time, I think, um, inside and outside to get it to look right. And somebody was asking me like, you know, the other day, what is something that you've really pulled from all of this building that you've done in West Hill? And for me, I think the ability to have like a pocket repertoire of roof shapes that I can just go to now, like I've got six or eight that I just know how to do. Right. And if I'm trying one and it doesn't look right, I can just go to another. I'm not sitting there stuck thinking like, well, what do I do now? And I think that that combined with the ability to think about building the roof on the outside and how it's going to look on the inside at the same time. Uh, This actually looks really cool. I forgot to take a screenshot inside, but the inside looks supported. It has some cool color changes. So even though all these builds are like player scale and there's not an inside color and an outside color. What the thing looks like inside is very much what it looks like outside. Um, I, I'm really happy with my ability to build a roof and have like in my brain, I'm thinking about what it's going to look like inside and outside at the same time. And that's not a skill I had. I don't think a couple of years ago. 
Yeah, I, I know a lot of builders who'd be very jealous of you having like a, a vocabulary of roof work that you're now applying to some of these builds. Because myself included, like I always struggled with roofs. I feel like I'm a lot better at them now, but in the past, yeah, was not not a big fan of building roofs on anything. And in survival, it's always one of the trickier parts of the build because you're falling off it occasionally and you have to have ways of getting up and down and ladders and scaffolding are obviously there now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's always been a bit of a hassle. But uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing if West Hill develops over the next couple of weeks. I'll be able to tune back in and you'll have made a, a whole heap more progress or you'll be moving on to the next thing. So, Oh man, times. I don't even know what the next thing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can take February to find that out. Uh, we're going to move on to the next thing for the show, which is the news. And we actually have some news this week. There is a Java Edition snapshot. The first snapshot for Java Edition 119.4 has been released. This is Java Edition snapshot 23W03A, which we got on Wednesday, January 18th. So the changes include Vexes now use a separate charging animation when empty-handed, Armor Stands now preserve custom names when placed and broken, and there is a new accessibility onboarding screen for players launching the game for the first time, along with a suite of accessibility changes, including added arrow key navigation, the resource pack screen can now be navigated by keyboard only if you're not a mouse user, Auto Jump is now off by default, where previously it had been on since it was implemented in around Minecraft 1.9, I think. They've added a new notification display time accessibility option, which changes how long notifications like unlocked recipe toasts, advancements, subtitles, and selected item names are visible for. Menu screens can now be navigated using the arrow keys as well, and when navigating with arrow keys, sliders need to be activated by pressing enter or space to start changing the value. There are a bunch of other technical changes in 23W03A, which include fire now burning out faster in certain biomes. This is now controlled by the increased fire burnout biome tag. The only allows snow and gold rabbits biome tag has been renamed to spawns gold rabbits to match its behavior. White rabbit variants are now controlled by the spawns white rabbits biome tag. Fox variants are similar. They have a spawns snow foxes biome tag. Snow golems melting can be controlled by a new tag as well. Additional parameters and syntax for the data, execute, title, weather, and ride commands have been added. The clone command now supports cloning to and from different dimensions, so you could effectively import a structure from the overworld directly into the void of the end if you're doing that with admin commands. They've also added command modification block limit as a game rule, which controls the maximum number of blocks that can be changed in one execution of clone, fill, and fill biome commands. Experimental features for 1.20, very slim on this score. Mob heads can now be placed on top of note blocks without sneaking. That's a parity feature from the most recent Bedrock beta that we talked about on the show, I think, last week. There are also a bunch of bug fixes and whatnot, as usual, they come in with the snapshots. We haven't got them listed here, but they'll be available on the changelog over at Minecraft.net. That's linked in our show notes if you want to go and look that up. On Twitter, the Minecraft team shared an early in-game look at the sniffer. 3D artist Chi Wong, W-C-H-I-W-I, on Twitter, shared the footage. Here is an early game peek at the Sniffer's visuals. Our team is really excited to share these with you. Let us know what you think. And in a follow-up post, Chi also shared some in-game screenshots. We'll have a link to those in our show notes as well. And I think we should start by talking about the Sniffer, because it's going to be fresh in everyone's minds, and this is really our first look at the mob, aside from what we saw in the... Uh, you know, mocked up animated versions of the, the mob vote intro videos. So 
I think the sniffer looks really good. <laughs> um, a lot of people talking about the detail it has in the texture, and I think um, Jappa weighed in on this on Twitter and just said, like, this is because it's a larger model, so we get to add more detail to it because we have a larger canvas to work with, but it's effectively the same resolution that's shared by the same amount of surface area on other mob designs. Uh, so you look at turtles, for example, you get a similar level of detail in the, the size of a turtle. Um, and I, I'm very happy they have six legs, which is one of those Me things that too. we couldn't decide upon from mm -hmm. uh, from from the uh, the visuals in the the animated intros. But I, I genuinely think it makes them a more interesting, more unique creature. And um, I don't know if it makes them an arthropod or not. If anyone's interested in killing them, but I don't I don't see many people wanting to do that because they're just adorable. Um, their walk animation is really cool as a result of having six legs, and they're bigger than I expected. They are very large very tall i think is the main thing like i expected them to be like a little bit shorter than a player but the size of their back actually makes them maybe a couple of pixels taller than the player model i was actually surprised at the height and that's one of my my criticisms is that um i think that they have to be squatter i don't know whether they have to get shorter if they're not going to get any shorter i feel like they should be a little bit wider and uh -huh. if they're going to be or if they're going to be the same width i think they need to be a little bit shorter I just, I think that, and this could just be the first impression I got from the pixel art in, in the uh, Tiny Yens video, um, but I, I feel like they could be a little bit more like a, like an ankylosaur, if you know what I'm talking about from mm -hmm. a, a dinosaur perspective. Uh, and because um, they, they sort of look like when they look head on in some of these screenshots, it reminds me of like a semi truck, you know, like an 18 wheeler. And so it, it feels a little bit too like it's going to topple over maybe a little bit. Um, but I mean, as a, as a first impression, like it is really, really solid. I love the animation. Um, they could even go even more exaggerated. I think with that lumbering animation that mm -hmm. if you watch closely the back, so the, the body of the sniffer kind of sways side to side subtly yeah. as it moves, I think they could rock it a lot more. I, I think you could really kind of have it look like it jiggles around a bit. Um, I love the, the weight that the legs have. Um, the advantage, the advantage that the, the sniffer has with the body type is that they can kind of hide the legs underneath the body and mm -hmm. move them up into the body. So it looks like it has knees when it walks, you notice that it's not doing the, the cow shuffle, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. doing the treadmill thing. The legs go up and they come down. And when they come down, there's like a, a weight thump to them. Uh, very, very well done compared to other animations in, in Minecraft. Um, not so sure how I feel about the sniffing animation. I like the idea. I'm just wondering if it might be a little bit too exaggerated. It looks like it kind of stretches the model a bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stretch in there. Um, definitely. Yeah. And but the the one of the things I really like that I don't know if we saw in the video, but the screenshots that were tweeted directly afterwards, there's like a resting animation where the legs just kind of stick out to the sides and it just kind of like plonks itself down. And I, I love that. Like, that's that's part of, like, the big dog energy that this thing has for me. And it's just, like, they just look like adorable critters. And that probably makes them, like, slump down a little bit so they're shorter than the player again, uh, mm -hmm. which might might help to <laughs> even things out a little bit if we, you're actually in the world with them. We also don't get a look at the smaller ones from what I saw. Like, I don't think they had any that were, no. like, the, the baby version. And they've said there are going to be growth stages for this. It starts as an egg, hatches into a smaller one, then grows into an adult size one. And that's uh, obviously stuff that they didn't share in this early look. But once again, working with the 
philosophy that they've introduced for 1.20 features, which is we are not going to show you any of this stuff until it is ready to show you. I think this is really strong. And if we don't get a snapshot featuring the sniffer this week, I'll be kind of surprised, but they may just have more work to do in terms of its life cycle uh, to do before they really want to implement it in-game. Uh, most of the feedback I've seen from the community has been really positive. I think some people like you uh, are concerned about the size and want to make sure it feels a little bit more balanced. And some people argue that the quality of the texture and the quality of the animation is making some other mobs with more basic visual style look kind of outdated by comparison, which I, I don't know, I kind of agree with, but there's always going to be that you know past versus future thing with minecraft now considering it's a 12 year old game so oh, yeah it really depends how much energy and effort and time they have to put into revising old stuff when they could be developing cool new stuff well i think that revising old stuff is the kind of thing precisely that fits into minor updates mm. the point the point ones the point twos you know like i mean yeah we, we saw a change to the vex model recently yeah, for example precisely. stuff like that yeah precisely you know like i think you know changing the zombies so they look like they stomp around instead of being on their little minecraft treadmill easy you know like it's i, I shouldn't say easy but like it's a straightforward <laughs> change that 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 doesn't require a full release of minecraft it's not a big selling feature but i think that it's just one of those things where like hey we've brought the zombies and the skeletons in line to to match the the new walk cycles that we've been doing i think that's fine um, as long as, as long as what's happening is make the sniffer the best that you can and yes. then take the time to catch up the old mobs. Don't, um, yoke yourself on the sniffer development by making it look like the old mob animations. Cause that's not the way to go. That's, yeah. that's where I think players would get frustrated. It's like, well, it's a new mob, but then it feels like it's dated already because it's meant to match stuff that was designed in, in the early days of Minecraft. But yeah, like, like you said, I, I, I really like where it's going so far. It's. It's, it's just a big mob. And I think that it's one of the things that's so interesting about it is the size of it. Because yeah. like, it's not going to fit through doors. It's not going to fit through even two fence gates, I don't think. Like there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. And I mean, like it, it doesn't appear that it's going to have any natural predators. Like, I, you know, because if you have to protect it, it's not going to, it doesn't look like it's going to be able to run away from anything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem <laughs> like it moves all that fast. Six, six um, legs is a lot to arrange when you're running away from yeah. something. And I think the the curious thing for me is how players are going to end up treating these things because obviously knowing cows, pigs, and sheep and whatnot from the real world, there are real world practices for caring for these animals and farming them. Whereas the sniffer is a completely unique creature, how are people going to take care of it if they decide to adopt and foster a new, you know, group of these things? Are they going to be put out in like a pasture sort of environment like cows? Are they going to be allowed to roam freely as they are in the video and just kind of sniff the flowers, which seems to be their favorite thing to do? Or are players going to just like develop another way of caring for them as a as a standard? I expect a lot of them are just going to be crowded into pens for simplicity's sake, but I'm also kind of curious to see what, um, you know, players who prefer the natural environment of Minecraft and celebrating that are going to do with the sniffer. I mean, I one thing that crossed my mind would be it looks ripe for having two saddles on it. I know that the camel's already doing that, but like I feel like, <laughs> it, I mean, even just riding this at all would be fun. It's it's it, I mean, it's akin to the pig. Like it's not going to get you anywhere anytime fast. So I just I just think it would be kind of silly and and cool. And I mean, anybody that's watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, it just it reminds you of Appa, right? So like you just you kind <laughs> yes, of instinctively you want to get on it, right? So like you just you want to see what it can do. Yeah, yeah, and I I think the. Uh... 
the Striders would get along very re- very well with the Sniffer somehow, even though they're 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 used to a more different environment. So I don't know how you'd get the Sniffer near lava without you know all of that foliage on its back going up in flames. Um, yeah. But but I, I I do think that the two, especially with them both having fairly like wobbly side to side walk cycles, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot to be said for the the animation style of those two creatures, and they have red color in common and that kind of thing. So it's it's almost like Minecraft biology is taking cues from elsewhere in the world even though they they occupy two separate dimensions most of the time um, i like that they're going with with made up animals made up mobs I, yeah yeah so excited it, that it's not a, a real world animal yeah it, it brings a lot of unique minecraft character to the place and we voted for it community wise so as if as long as you're looking forward to this then congratulations you've got a, a pretty pretty neat little animal there um let's take a quick glance through the snapshot which was mostly a technical change and that kind of thing um not a big snapshot for 1.20 which i know is miffing a few people out there but they're still working on other features i'm sure um i'm secretly hoping that they're not going to reveal any big new features while i'm away for three episodes but we might still get hands on with the sniffer um i saw a few folks in the community celebrating the fact that auto jump is now off by default and it's not a problem that comes up for me too often but i do occasionally make fresh instances of minecraft for like you know for example the hermitcraft collab that we did with empires uh, i had to set up a whole new instance for that and i didn't copy over all of my config files so i still had to adjust all of the music and the volume and the co- the hotkeys and make sure auto jump was switched off <laughs> and so there's always little bits and pieces like that that uh, trip me up so to speak um so i think a lot of people are quite happy about that accessibility features always a good thing i'm not the target demographic but i'm sure many people are going to benefit from those and i'm really interested in the direction they're taking with the new commands because along with being able to group biomes and the stuff that we've seen sliced lime doing on stream where he's creating kind of seasonal vibes to some of the biomes it seems like a lot of those commands are centered around creating custom biomes with a more unique set of parameters and more customization for players who want to create something unique. So I think that's a really cool change. I agree. I mean, it all sounds like great creative tools for people that are either doing modding or, you know, maybe making custom maps. Although, like most of the custom maps I, that I see, like they seem to be on the Bedrock marketplace. So, like, I don't know what the Java kind of world needs in that realm so I'm, I'm less familiar but uh i mean again like more more creative tools and more straightforward tools and it sounds like a lot of these things when they're described it's like this sounds like something that minecraft should just do or have accessible to players anyway you know like like the the, the fire burning out in different biomes um you know like spawning different rabbits and different foxes and things like that sounds like something that players that are trying to create a very specific vibe um want control over and maybe didn't have control over until now and that's that's cool i wonder how much of that is coming from players if it's player feedback that is like these are the things that are frustrating us is like not being able to spawn foxes where we want to spawn specific types of foxes that kind of thing so hopefully that's coming from uh, player feedback and mojang is listening to that what do you say we move on to some email Let's do that. Uh, if you'd like to email the show and probably get some questions in while I'm away at this rate, uh, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, so Joel and our guest hosts will be happy to answer those in the near future if you keep them short and sweet. Uh, why don't you read the first one? 
This is one of the emails in reply to our last uh, episode asking for people working in building to reply. We've got several of these this week. From Microwave Safe Builder IRL. Hi there, guys. You requested a response from IRL Builders. I spent several years teaching high school geography, woodworking, and robotics, but now I do custom cabinetry and remodel work. Probably the biggest thing that I can't get out of my mind when playing Minecraft is structural stability and common building practices. I actually think it can be pretty common though. Really the more specialized things that I don't think many people notice. One thing is that there are, uh, that I don't see anybody talking about in Minecraft is how crazy it is to get so much material out of a single log. It's not uncommon for 25 to 50% of a log to end up as waste material. So the fact that you can get four planks from one log is crazy. Honestly, the most realistic wood crafting recipe for, is for trapdoors. I feel like getting two of these bad boys out of one log and a half is more on track with reality. Another thing is wood species. I love the way that they look in game, but I've spent a good deal of time wondering what exactly is quote unquote jungle wood and how do spruce planks look so incredibly dark and what is dark oak? I've got many more, but Microwave Safe signed off because his wife reminded him to stop being that guy. <laughs> <laughs> if if only our partners would remind us of that. The woodworker often. nerds reunite. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got, I've got a friend, uh, Mark Spagnolo, that would be right on board with like, why is the wood this way? That's not what that looks like, I'm sure. Yeah, you I'm know what's, sure. what's just occurred to me is talking about like the waste material from a single log and the fact that we get basically four cubic meters of planks out of like one cubic meter of logs are planks supposed to be hollow i guess so like i guess that's <laughs> I, yeah i've just never thought of them that way and that's really weird to me like obviously there's no way of knowing right like uh, stick your head yeah. inside of one and see if it still suffocates you it does but like that that's the the thing that i just thought are we meant to assume that planks, like blocks of planks, have been hollow this entire time? That's that's such a weird thought now, and I can't think of anything else. Well, yeah, because when you think about a plank, like you think more of what you know in real life, you think more of what a trapdoor looks like in Minecraft, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like a, flat a boards. Yeah, yeah, flat boards. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I rem there was somebody somewhere. It might have been, it might have been Whip. Somebody had a custom texture for trapdoors at one point. That was the planks. So like yeah. all of your trapdoors just looked like the regular plank texture, so you could hide them and and use them in all different kind of ways. But yeah, it's um it's an interesting idea about because a lot of times the conversations that we have about crafting recipes are usually like we want more of those things. Oh yeah, so like I yeah. want more planks or more you know more trapdoors, trapdoors for stairs. Logs. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like I mean the trapdoor the trapdoor recipe that I have on on the um we've got it on the stone cutter. So we've got a custom data pack for the stone cutter. And like though I made, I, we get more trapdoors than, than less, um, than, than the default Minecraft. So, um, I'm guilty of, of, um, skewing that reality. Um, what, what the thing that I pulled out of this email too, is like 25 to 50% of wood being scrap. We need to get better at not doing that <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah trees are hard enough to come by and i mean i'm sure that there are lots of if you're doing a lot of industrial work i'm sure that there are lots of like i know a lot of the sawdust from places it's not thrown out it's like then sold to somebody that makes yule logs or glue or like there's there's different uses for all of it like i understand that but um but yeah i, I remember from from woodshop that there'd be quite a lot of stuff cut on the floor or if you're planing something to a certain length and you're only taking certain things off of like certain amount off of um 
off of a plank or a, or a flat piece of wood. And I just, I, it's, it's funny. It's when I think about all this stuff with woodworking, like I, I remember enjoying it, but it's been long enough since I've done any kind of like hands-on woodworking. I find power tools, specifically things like table saws, band saws, wood planers. I find them incredibly intimidating machines, which is probably mm-hmm. good because it means I'm always going to be safe around them. Yeah. But uh, I'm way more comfortable with like a hammer, a handsaw, drill, like that stuff I'm all fine with. But then you get into these big, the big pieces of equipment that are loud and sharp and rotating. And I'm just like, nope, I need more experience with this before I'm comfortable I think one of the uh, the the answers to this, really, like the reason we don't talk about how weird it is to get this much material out of logs, is that for the video game side of things, it really makes sense. Like we're talking about gameplay mechanics taking precedence over familiar reality <laughs> at this stage, and because like being able to generate a lot of material quickly is sort of required for your survival at the beginning like once you realize that you can break a log down into planks you've made a crafting table but then you think okay the planks are effectively like quadrupling my building material that's what you build your first starter house out of if you're a new player especially because then you realize yeah no i can get tons of material just by chopping down a few trees that's enough to build a box around myself that i can survive my first night and i think that's really part of the overall balance of the game. I'm not sure if there was ever a point at which one log would only equate to one plank, except in that one, uh, the April Fool's snapshot from from one block at a time from from a year or two ago. I think that's that's really the only time that it's ever been a one-to-one ratio with planks, and that was suffering, let me tell you, <laughs> trying to build anything in that snapshot, much less having no inventory. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a, a pretty decent video game excuse for getting that much material out of a single log and it's just the fact that it helps players get started and then suddenly you have enough that you can make sticks and it doesn't feel like you're turning two planks into four sticks and just massacring your entire wood supply as a result and it doesn't surprise me that the fact that gravity doesn't affect most blocks in minecraft and they do need support it's like one of the first things that builders and other people in that profession notice about minecraft it's like mm-hmm. well wait a minute like i don't have to hold this up like i don't you know where do where do my studs go like where do where's my load supporting wall go um so i thought that didn't surprise me that's like the, the first email that i read it was like this and it is a, a theme through some of the other emails that we received and thanks so much there was a there was almost a dozen uh, emails that came in um, so I had to narrow it down with the ones that were short enough for the show and also um, just kind of pick some ones that had some interesting you know conversations about different things in the game but um, yeah I, I really enjoyed um, seeing that that through point of the the load-bearing thing is like one of the first things that most people said like this is not what happens <laughs> like mm-hmm. like I, most I think that like most of the job of the people building stuff is to make sure it doesn't fall down. <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. job one, right. How it looks is like completely secondary. It's more like, just make sure it's not going to blow over. Right. Yes. And we have another email uh, that I'll read from Nick H. He was an architect who plays Minecraft. That's the subject line of this email. Uh, and he has this to say, hi, Johnny and Joel. I'm a residential architect in Southwest London in the UK. And in my downtime, I love a bit of Minecraft. Being in my mid thirties with an architecture practice to run, I do struggle to find time to play, but I love every moment when I do. I design buildings for a living, but when it comes to Minecraft, I find myself enjoying the parts of the game which do not require aesthetic designing. 
My favourite thing in the game is redstone and exploiting game mechanics. You'll more likely find me trying to build an armour equipping station or a mob grinder over building a big castle or a house. My Minecraft houses are often underground, where I don't have to think about what they look like. My escapism is not having to think about proportions, the realities of gravity, or if something looks right. All that being said, I think being an architect allows me to see ways of placing blocks which feel right and look right. When I finished my armor equipper, putting a decorative facade on it is a lot of fun, and I'll subconsciously create something which looks good, to the annoyance of my brother, who is an attorney and not creative at all. Listening to you both keeps me sane while I'm drawing up construction detail drawings. Thanks. Nick died from a collapsing castle, which was not up to code. I, again, more with the support and the collapse and the and the the different functions that these buildings have to have. And I thought it was really interesting that an architect doesn't get into Minecraft and starts building fancy things. It's right? like the last it, thing that they want to do. It's escapism, yeah. And that that yeah. point of view hadn't occurred to me. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, like yeah. I can I can see that being the case. Like I I can imagine um, my sister, who is a biochemistry teacher, probably loving a game like, I don't know, Spore, which would just make absolutely no sense on like a biochemistry and genetics level, but is just going to be delightful to muck about in for a few hours as a sandbox. And so, yeah, that that, that makes perfect sense, being able to uh, step away from all of the concerns that you have at work. That that sounds like a good time to me. I like the, uh, the juxtaposition, too, of like the brother being a lawyer and kind of wonder what their focuses in minecraft like are they trying to make things look nice are they always asking the advice of the architect brother or are like is the lawyer like the the, the rule follower like is that his is that the person that knows every rule about the the gameplay in minecraft and the, the mechanics and like stuff like that be the very the tactical stuff you know that's uh also also great brother energy like sneaking in a, a jab at your brother in this email good work um <laughs> yeah but no like the the redstone side of stuff is something that as somebody who I didn't approach this from the perspective of somebody who was especially creative visually before this, but I also wasn't especially like technically minded either when I started getting into Minecraft. I was just more in it for the creative side in general, um, but and and creativity through survival gameplay. But I found myself getting more creative with redstone as I get more creative with building at the same time, and I feel like my skill set has kind of grown whereas somebody who comes in with a specialism in one field immediately decides to get into the other field i think that's cool i think it's it's good that you you probably also recognize that you've got enough of a foundation in knowing how to make stuff look good that like yeah i could do that but what i really want to do is figure out how this redstone contraption is going to work i think that makes a lot of sense i think too that the the draw to even work in things like caves or dig underground and take care of more of the mechanical, the engineering, the, the, the digging around and gathering stuff. And in a way in Minecraft, it's like quote unquote, getting your hands dirty, right? Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the, cause as an architect, you're not like on site hammering nails, right? Like you're just, you're designing stuff from your studio. Uh, and, and I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. And as well, something that I, I know that I, have a, a sigh of relief when i am building something like a nether tunnel and i don't have to worry about what it looks like from the other side it's yeah. just this side, yeah, yeah right if i want to do an effect that requires a four block deep kind of like layer of of different you know blocks and glass and effects i can do it and just have no cares what it looks like from the outside because there either is not an outside or our vibe in the nether is just like things just look real strange <laughs> from mm -hmm. the outside if you happen to see a tunnel but uh but yeah i thought it was a really interesting take that you know designing things on the inside is is 
more appealing than the outside. It occurs to me that one of the guys I used to play on Decidedly Vanilla with back in the day, uh, BJW, who is a... I don't think he creates content much anymore, but I think he dabbles every so often. But I think he's a landscape architect by trade. I'm trying to think how much terraforming oh, he did. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was all that much, but uh, yeah, the guy at least knew how to put two and two together with blocks. So I think it's... Uh, yeah, really interesting that people can bring that kind of experience into the game and choose to use it or ignore it, as the case may be. Our next email comes from Tedible, another UK architect. Hey, Pix and Joel, I'm an architect practicing in the UK, so technically I don't build things, but I have an intimate knowledge of how buildings are put together. My experience as an architect has definitely impacted the way that I build in Minecraft, specifically in relation to scale proportion and detail. Some skills I've transferred to my Minecraft builds include allowing enough headroom at least four to five blocks, laying out builds on a structural grid blocks spaced out at multiples of three or four being a good rule of thumb, and using the wall blocks to build internal quote-unquote stud walls as opposed to full blocks because of their slender profile and an appreciation of the brick block and so on. The list could go on, but hopefully that provides an insight as to how somebody in the profession might think when creating Minecraft builds. Tedible was squashed by a timber rafter that wasn't supported properly, thus concluding <laughs> the through line of our emails. The trilogy of, <laughs> of unfortunate deaths, yes. Um, yeah, I think, uh, thanks for sharing your experience. I think it's really interesting that architects are into brick blocks despite the fact that my main problem with bricks is them not looking nearly as diverse as they do in real life and maybe that's the kind of thing that people will just throw a texture pack on it and call it a day but i always find that the vanilla brick blocks are frustrating to me as somebody who looks at brick houses all the time by virtue of the fact that none of the bricks look identical to each other in any of the brick walls around me so i think that's that's part of the reason i i, I shy away from brick building when it's not just structural element like a fireplace that feels like it should be made out of bricks to begin with i can imagine that being something that people were really excited about coming in from an architectural standpoint and realizing that's one of the few blocks in minecraft that has a modern texture mm -hmm. right or contemporary yeah, yeah. texture i should say so i imagine the the architects that were playing before 112 dropped uh and we got concrete you know like i feel like having colored concrete and, and all that kind of stuff is is something that's really really interesting for a lot of modern builds and and um and helps a little bit because i think i mentioned before like you know the idea of steel reinforced concrete being a big shift in real world architecture and then having concrete added to minecraft having that same effect uh being able to build different things and, and different um structures that looked a little bit more like contemporary stuff i found that i actually do the four to five block thing subconsciously i i wasn't doing that as a rule from any kind of architectural knowledge it was more I just thought it looked better. Uh, I don't know what my ceiling heights are in the modern city. It's been a long time since I've built there on the Citadel, but I want to say it's a minimum of four uh, and, and potentially five in some places, depending on how big the building is. I know in West Hill it's smaller. Um, hallways and tunnels in West Hill can probably only be two blocks tall, but I try not to have the ceilings too low in West Hill because even beams that are at two blocks feel low. So yeah. I, I feel like my my minimum is three. A lot of times I feel like my ceilings, if you're inside of a home in West Hill, are like three and a half because I might have like a slab as the next floor or like a slab uh, log combo. So you can see like ribs in the ceiling, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny that that the, the ceiling height was definitely a, a rule that they followed. And I'm not entirely sure I, I know what they mean by a 
like a structural grid. I guess it could mean in the same way that I've seen um, like Andy is Yoda is a, is a creator that I follow and they have a, a like a five by five block system that mm-hmm. they've kind of shared in terms of how they come up with so many builds on the fly. And they have like, it's like um, modular prefab building houses. Like, you know, you've got so many different walls, you've got so many different structures, like you can create an L shape, a T shape, that kind of stuff. And you, you can have like an individual house that feels very unique to the person that bought it. But ultimately the manufacturer is only building a, an X number of components to then kind of put together like Lego and make different shaped homes. And so the the blocks spaced out at three to four intervals like i'm not exactly sure what they mean but it it could just mean like the the balance of like this section is one um grid wide my next section can either be two or three but it can't be one and a half or two and a half do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like having having those proportions back and forth could be could be something but i'll have to look into that but it sounds really interesting and it was cool to hear from someone that was just like nope i don't like building in minecraft because i build in real life it was cool to hear from someone that like actually uh does the designing and stuff like that circling back around to bricks very briefly do you know when bricks were actually added to minecraft i don't but i imagine you you know the same update as Creepers. It was the one of the earliest updates. It was wow. this, according to the Minecraft wiki. This is I'm I'm I wasn't playing Minecraft at the time, but this was Minecraft Classic 0.26 Survival Test, in which is the same one that added iron blocks, stone slabs, TNT, uh, creepers, spiders, um, stone dropping cobblestone, stuff like that. Like so, when the the early mechanics were being ironed out. Um, that's when bricks originally got added to the game back in October of 2009. Uh, so a very, very long time ago. So uh, you've got you've got good taste for classic blocks if you're into bricks in Minecraft. There you go. Our next email comes in from Green Ninja Five, and on a completely different tack, the subject is banners and signs. Hello, Spawn Chunks. I have a quick banner upgrade idea. What if banners were combined with the functionality of the new hanging signs? I'd love to hear your thoughts and any other ideas you have on the subject. Green Ninja 5 was driven insane while trying to craft a banner with more than six patterns. Yeah, it's an unfortunate uh, affliction that takes all of us from time to time. You know, the um, I think we might have mentioned this in a previous episode, but the Illager um, Bad Omen banner... Um, actually uses more than six patterns in Java Edition, and you can't replicate it. Like, you, you get to a certain point, you get stuck because you can't add enough layers without using oh, commands. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to not mess with banners. But every once in a while, I'll make some curtains or something, something mm-hmm. that looks like a curtain pattern. But after that, I'm just... I tend to just look up the patterns online. I was like, how do I do this? Oh, okay, cool. Somebody else has already taken the time, uh, given themselves a headache and and shared this information online so I don't have to go through the trial and error process. But um, a lot of times I just kind of like banners as just plain colors, you know. And and for me in West Hill, like I'd love to be able to use them horizontally as flags, which I know I've mentioned before. But uh, I am on board with this. And I think it makes sense. Uh, hanging signs equals hanging banners. And mm-hmm. I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, when you think about how you place a banner on the ground, it works the same way that a sign is placed on the ground is that you can place it in any which way you want. It's, it doesn't have to be on the grid. And I think that, that having that advantage of a hanging banner would be the same thing that happens with the V shape of a hanging sign when it's put underneath a solid block. And I think that would be really cool. I don't know about hanging a banner from a banner. I think that that might be a bit of a stretch because at least with the signs, you've got another solid wood thing to then hang the next sign from. So that makes more sense to me than being able to hang multiple multiple banners. But imagine how cool it would look if you had like that cool 
banner looking combination of hanging signs but then the bottom one was an actual banner you know it would kind of create something new and interesting interesting there and uh, i like the idea of hanging banners on the side as well uh being able to one create a different shape because i don't think that they're wide enough to have a full banner there so it might be like maybe it's a narrow banner if you hang it sideways mm -hmm. and i don't know what that means for patterns um i think it'd be really cool for you know, color coding your nether tunnels or stuff that you can see when you're walking down a tunnel and you see the face of the hanging sign or the hanging banner rather than having to look like and see the banner like edge on if it's outside of a tunnel. I think you can color code all kinds of things. We certainly have a lot of um, either advertisements or in a lot of cases like decorative things on our lampposts in the city here around Christmas time. And you'll see them kind of stretched uh next to um the lamppost kind of on the lamppost and it's like again it's it's a hanging banner and it could be anything from like you know a symphony nova scotia ad to maybe just like a, a wreath or some colorful uh, christmas type design that's just meant to help decorate the city and be bright and colorful and i think that like there's all kinds of cool art installation and arch architectural installation things i can think of if we could hang banners from stuff yeah, the um, the you see them around Brighton all the time, advertising like theatre shows and Brighton Fringe Festival and events nice, yeah. like that. Yeah, so I I can see that happening. I think, yeah, it's it's weird that hanging signs are the response to well, we can't connect signs to the underside of something, and banners effectively have the same problem, and and that that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if there would be a crafting recipe difference the way there is with hanging signs, like if you'd have to do a a banner but it'd be six wool and two chains the way it is with signs and if that would still produce the same thing or not because obviously a banner right now is six wool and one stick right so that mm. that does that does make some sense but yeah i i'm i'm curious about this one and and how difficult it would be to implement technically because it feels like a ton of extra banner stuff like goes on behind the scenes and and like decorations on banners have some parity issues like you know you can't put a banner on a shield in bedrock edition right now so it feels like stuff like that feels like it needs to be ironed out before any other changes to banners get introduced but i i definitely know some builders who would enjoy stuff like that and if you're hanging banners underneath banners that makes for slightly more realistic curtains than if you're attaching them to the block face of the window or something like that i think it it could potentially be aesthetically a little more appropriate for what people are trying to use banners for in occasions like that and the hanging sign is a smaller scale than the sign. So yeah. I don't know whether the banner as it stands now would translate one-to-one -one as far as its size to a hanging banner or whether that would pause you know, some technical problems in terms of its scale and that would have to be reduced. And then does that then remove the ability to put a pattern on it or um, would it just become too complicated if it was too small? Like, I don't, I don't know yeah yeah there's there's a lot of things to consider not not least the fact that there's also um 16 colors of banner <laughs> so again it's, it's adding <laughs> adding a ton more banners but uh yeah I, I think it's a good line of thinking to go down like the when new stuff like hanging signs gets added and it feels like it's disrupting sign usage which is something that's been in the game for a very long time not apparently as long as bricks but uh, long enough time 
you sort of think, well, what other knock-on implications does this have for other mechanics within the game? Where else can we find this setting a precedent for other things to change? So definitely a good thought. And maybe we'll be coming back to this in the future saying Green Ninja 5 was right. Our final email comes in from McScrewgun, and the subject is checklists. Good morning, Joel and Johnny. I'm listening to episode 226, building into 2023, slightly behind due to some holidays, travel, and vacation. Joel mentioned having a quote-unquote checklist for things to do in Westdale in the upcoming year, and that made me wonder if you, Joel, or Johnny have actual checklists written down out for large-scale projects that you do, or do you rely on memory and walking through the builds and just going on what is needed? McScrewgun died. Wait, no, he didn't. Updating training documents just feels like purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> you have a, well, you have our sympathies, McScrewgun. You have our sympathies. Well played. I like that tagline. Uh, I currently keep it all in my head, which may or may not be a good idea. Uh, I will be doing a walkthrough, though. Like that's kind of my my visual way of of checking things off is like popping inside different builds, making sure I didn't forget interiors. I'm sure I'm going to be walking along a street going, oh, wow, I didn't plant any bushes here. Like this is just an mm -hmm. empty flat street. I need to create some depth and stuff like that. And I get that feeling when I'm walking around. It's why I try not to fly too much in West Hill. Like when I'm going back to my bed or going back to shulkers and stuff like that, unless I'm running low on time on stream, I try to walk because I start to make mental notes of like, oh yeah, I have not textured this street at all. Like it's all just plain stone brick everywhere. However, I imagine I will probably end up putting together some sort of list during a walkthrough. Like, I think I'm going to have to take the time and just walk around West Hill, or at least in sections, and be just like, okay, let's walk around this entire West area and just see what's left and just add that to my to my checklist. Um, but very often, you know, another way to do it is just start at one end of your build and just kind of slowly go to the other and fix things as you go. Um, the problem that I see myself having is that I'm going to be walking around with a full inventory full of all kinds of stuff, and I'm going to see something that I can't fix right now because I don't have room in my inventory to fix it. And if I don't write it down, I'll forget. So mm -hmm. there's something like that. And I am probably more inclined to have a real world list rather than an in-game list. Um, the only time recently that I've done in-game lists are for more complicated games like Satisfactory. And Satisfactory has in-game signs that you can edit on the fly. It's not like Minecraft. You can actually kind of go into them and change them if you want. Uh, and Satisfactory actually has an in-game UI list. So you can create a to-do list that kind of pops up in your HUD. And so that's cool. Um, when you're, Especially when you're trying to remember like specific numbers of manufacturing things. So Minecraft doesn't have necessarily that kind of technical, um, I guess, need for things. But I guess the closest thing would be like a, I could set up a next to all my shulker boxes. I could set up a, a lectern and just do a book and just mm -hmm. write in the book. I guess I could have a book in my inventory too, but then that's just one more thing I got to carry around. Yeah, I've seen some people use like a wall of signs for stuff like that when they're planning base work. They're like, you know, what's the next set of projects that you have to worry about? And I, I keep checklists for episode ideas more than i do for actual in-game right. work so like when i'm planning survival guide i always think okay what are the knock-on sort of implications for what i've just done an episode on like does this episode spin out into the next three and i'll try and list those so all of the topics in the series appear in a fairly logical order and i'm not skipping back and forth from like here's how to make a mob farm to suddenly like okay we're going to the end now you know just try trying to make sure that everything has a good flow to it uh when it comes to 
building and those kind of large scale projects I tend to do a lot of stuff more by feel and by planning stuff in game whether in creative or sketching stuff out uh, more than I do like writing anything down note-taking wise but again it's the kind of thing where different approaches are going to work for everybody so it's not a bad thing necessarily that I do or don't do that it's just what works for me I'm a very visually motivated person and sometimes I'll write something down and it will make sense to me at the time and then I'll come back to it later and go I have no idea what this means <laughs> it just yeah. says carved stone pillar and I go where was I planning to build that no idea so yeah <laughs> I think re relating it all to visual locations in my head and working with it that way makes a lot more sense to me than it does the other way around and I tend to make visual references in Minecraft before I make written ones. So like I will rough in a bush really quickly and really in an ugly way to just say, Joel, your brain fart right now is to put a vine in a bush going up the side of this house. But so I don't forget about it. I just, I throw it in real quick. So mm -hmm. one, it's there to see. And two, it's also going to be ugly and it's going to like, my eye is going to twitch. You know, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be like, you need, you need to fix this. And like, if I'm going on a supply run, like if I'm going to repair, repair my elytra and I think, oh, while I'm going all the way back to spawn and all these other places, are there any storage facilities that I can pilfer? What do I need? And, you know, I'll take one of those blocks. If I need spruce logs, uh, bricks, mud, mangrove wood, whatever, I just put one of those in an empty inventory, right? And just say, oh, that's what I need. Like I just need stacks and stacks of these four or five blocks. And that way I don't have to write it down. I just have them in my inventory. The um, the one time I kind of cheat is we have the wandering trader data pack where we can buy mini blocks. And I very well often want like six or eight of them. And it's hard to remember all of them because they've got such long names. And so um, I will recite them a couple of times. And then one of my mods in chat will send like a highlighted message into Twitch chat <laughs> with the list. Yeah, and so I can just look over it to the chat. Yeah, yeah. And I can just look over at Twitch chat. And it's like, all right, what do I need? I need uh, moss. I need, uh, you know, basalt. Uh, deep slate gold ore or like polished blackstone super something like you know all that kind of stuff and that makes it easy um but yeah it, it, it can be it can be difficult i don't know if i've done that in satisfactory like ask the chat it's like hey remember this number and it's like you know 2600 screws or something yeah i don't know <laughs> if i've done that yet but um i i generally have a spreadsheet that's the thing like a game like satisfactory when you get into it you need a spreadsheet and i imagine some of the the people that are deeper into minecraft uh, redstone contraptions probably have a spreadsheet. Do you have a spreadsheet for David for your copper? Oh yeah, thing? no, that that's the kind of stuff that I was going to bring up as a really useful function of Lightmatica. And going back to my right. my regular my regular segment on the show now, it's singing the praises of Lightmatica. But it's, <laughs> it it can generate a material list for all of the stuff in in your schematic or in the area that you've highlighted, which is really useful for planning out builds. I know a lot of when you see folks like the hermits get, getting started on a big build and they open a chest and it's got like 14 stacks of this and then followed by this amount of stacks of that and it all seems very organized and they're like these are the exact materials i will need to use on this build it's because they've generated a material list through lightmatica and right. for redstone contraptions i think that's invaluable that's one of the occasions on which i would have a checklist it's not for actions necessarily but for the amount of sticky pistons i need to make in order for this redstone contraption to be brought to life and yeah i think that's that's probably the the occasion on which note-taking really helps especially when it comes to things which are a pain in the butt to craft if i want to have 
you know, 200 dispensers, I make sure I craft 200 dispensers on the spot instead of just winging it with the amount of dispensers that I have, because it gets disruptive to your flow if you suddenly have to go and craft a ton of bows and throw them on the ground and start doing all of the, the dispenser crafting grind. So yeah, note taking definitely worthwhile. And if you can get either you know, the helpful note takers in your Twitch chat, or if you can have other tools that are able to compile that kind of stuff for you, makes your life a whole lot easier. But that is where we're going to leave things for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? Visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live as it is recorded in Discord every week. You also get our monthly monthly Minecraft audio hangout, and you get the backlog of all of the patrons-only content that we've done throughout the podcast's entire existence. We currently have 336 wonderful patrons, which is down two from last week, so we'd love to get some more people jumping on board. Special thanks go out to our content engineers, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are the easiest way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen to it. That includes Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I think the most important thing is going to be getting this updated uh, David tutorial out there for people, and I'm probably going to be fairly light on content there and on Twitch for the next little while, so I won't go through my usual plugs here. Hermitcraft recap may be running in my absence. I may find the time to sneak into somebody's recording studio and record the voiceover while I'm in the States, that remains to be seen. But if you want to be following me whilst I'm away for a couple of weeks, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? All the things that I'm up to, including all the socials, can be linked at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Steven ESC and I just hung out and talked about The Bad Batch Season 2. That's more Star Wars content. If you're interested in that, then uh, check that out at thecitadelcafe.com. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week. Lego on Fridays, building the NASA Shuttle Discovery right now. Minecraft on Saturday and Sunday. And I've been sneaking in at least two episodes of uh, Minecraft streams uh, during the week. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and it smells surprisingly good. <laughs>